Um, they hit you. They can fly around. You can get to them, but you can get to any defense in this NFL. So that's just that's just the, the effect of life. I don't think the game's over. Welcome into Triple Zeros, the anti-hot take sports show. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on X at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. The website is clockersports.com, and the email address is contact at clockersports.com. Be sure to follow the site at Clocker Sports on Facebook and on Instagram and on X, and also follow the show on X and on Facebook at Three Zeros Pod. That is the number Three Zeros Pod. Also follow the site on Clock on uh, TikTok at Clocker Sports on TikTok, where we get up all our videos, waiting to get back into the season. NFL season twenty twenty four campaigns. So we can uh, bring some more uh, high quality videos and entertainment hopefully better quality videos if you know what i mean but um first and foremost be sure to like subscribe rate and review share all those great things the podcast so we can continue to grow uh, just a quick episode today wanted to uh, touch on some of the things that i've been writing about around the nfl and the nba before uh, uh the championship sunday matchups in the nfl on sunday that's why it's Championship Sunday. Uh, we'll have some picks there, and we'll talk about some of the news going on around in the NBA and the NFL. Again, we are in the NFL offseason, so the uh, the sound bites have kind of slowed down. I will begin writing the uh, summer stories that I have from the Bears, the religion story. I got a story on Roy and Bateka, something about, I think, I'm either going to do something with that, um, with Dylan Cole separately, or I'm going to include him in, uh, in a... Uh, a larger piece about just uh, the different stages, I guess, guys are in their career. I haven't haven't really sorted that part out yet, though, but I do have the religion one and the Impotake one coming. Uh, so those would be two interesting pieces, especially with the, the news that uh, the, the NFL or CBS, I forget which, which broadcaster, honestly, so I, won't, I don't want to say CBS. A broadcaster uh, appeared to have cut out C.J. Stroud's uh, answer post game about uh, you know thanking God first before he went on to explain the game or whatever. And so uh, I think it's a very timely, very poignant uh, piece. I'll probably leave with that one uh, starting sometime this week. And so I'll be on the lookout for that at ClockerSports.com. Like I said, run up the YouTube man, run up the uh, the the TikTok channel so that we can get those things growing and uh, the YouTube especially so we can get monetized there uh, next season. If not to start next season, at early on in the season, that would be a great, great. Uh, that's a great goal. That's the goal that I've set. And so that'd be great to achieve that by. Like I said, week one of next season. So that being said, let's get into some of the stories that I've been covering uh, in the last couple of days and uh, what I'm looking for in the weekend coming up and things of that nature, starting with the NFL. So the Bears have filled both of their coordinator spots, hiring uh, Shane Waldron from the Seattle Seahawks uh, to be their offensive coordinator and bringing along with him uh, Kerry Joseph to be their quarterback's coach. The Bears held on to uh, a few position coaches on both sides of the ball, so that have made that's made the job for both uh, Waldron and his counterpart on defense, uh, Eric Washington. A little bit simpler. Um, I, I from the outside that could that could seem like maybe a bit of a roadblock. You know, staffs or, or, or coaches want to bring in their own staffs when they do get hired. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that, you know, the the hires are both guys who are experienced um, and, and uniquely experienced, I think, for a situation like this. And what I mean by that is with with Waldron, you know, you got a lot of people say, oh, this definitely means it, it feels it definitely means it's it's uh, going to be Caleb Williams. I don't think it, it leans either way. And I think I might have said that last episode. I don't think it leans either way. Um, I do think that it, it shows that they are looking for somebody who can uh, work with a mobile style quarterback and maybe build up some of those things that have, have held that quarterback back. Um, you could say that he's Gino is not the mobile guy that either of Williams or Fields is, which is definitely true. Uh, but I think he's a guy who's mobile enough, right? And he's a guy who definitely had to have some things worked out to uh, get him to his, his max level. Um, 
Terry Joseph, a guy who was accomplished in the CFL as a quarterback, um, playing a style that I think it, it mirrors both Fields and Williams, but I think it's probably closer to Williams when I'm looking at it. When I watch the highlights, I didn't watch the entire CFL game of this and that nature, uh, but I saw a clip of him from uh, former Bears running back Jared Payton. Um, you might have heard that name a few times. And so um, I'm encouraged by those steps. I'm, I'm still kind of, I guess, lukewarm would be the best way to say it because I'm just not sure what to expect from them. Um, the Seahawks offense looked all right uh, in 2022. Geno Smith made a Pro Bowl, which is always good for him. Uh, the Pro Bowl is, is not necessarily the, the, the measure of, of accomplishment that it once was. Uh, so I'm not necessarily putting all the stock in that that some might when they when they are promoting that higher. Um, but then also the offense kind of came back to earth this past season. And they even when they were at their peak, they weren't necessarily world beaters or it didn't feel that way. So um, I am interested to see how this shakes out. We've heard that there's some style. There were some stylistic differences between Waldron and head coach Pete Carroll in Seattle. Um, and that led to Waldron maybe kind of calling a style offense that didn't necessarily suit what he wanted to do. So I'm interested to see how that actually plays out uh, once the once training camp opens up and once the season comes at us. Um, on the defensive side, Eric Washington is a great hire in that, you know, he has a history of working under head coaches who are either A, calling their plays or are very, very gun- very much going to be involved in the game planning and play calling of the week. Um, he's worked under Ron Rivera, former Bears defensive coordinator. He's worked under Sean McDermott. Uh, he's worked under uh, uh, Lovey Smith. And so when you think of those three, those are definitely three prominent figures in in. A, in defensive side of the ball, but also in this style of defense that the Bears want to run. Um, and so when he comes with his assistant head coach experience as well, I think that uh, that that kind of uh, lends itself to what Matt Eberflus wants to be in terms of being a play caller, but also being a guy who wants to kind of uh, be able to oversee everything. He can kind of do both now with a guy like Washington there to kind of supplement, fill in the blanks, if you will. Um, so I wrote about both of those hires for Clocker Sports and gave you some some insight on, into what their numbers were when they were calling plays, where they've been, uh, and and maybe who could impact. And I think for I'm just going to put it out there for for Washington, um, obviously for Walton, it's for Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, whoever they decide to go with. But for Washington, I'm interested to see how he impacts the development of a Javon Dexter and a Zach Pickens. Now, I'm not sure if he's been pr- primarily an edge guy. Uh, I saw Corey Wooten say that he helped him uh, in his career when Washington was with the Bears at the first in his initial stint in 2008, 2010, uh, somewhere thereabouts. And so I'm not, I'm not entirely certain. I admit that uh, whether or not he's an outside or inside guy, but if he's getting inside as well, then I would definitely am looking forward to seeing how he can help, uh, Dexter and Pickens develop. Now we've also, like I said, they retained a bunch of line uh, coaches, Chris Morgan, on the offensive side, uh, Jim Dre tight ends um, on the defensive side. You've kept almost every position coach, right? You have Dave Vorgans is coming back. You've got John Hope coming back. Andre Curtis is coming back. Um, you also have the line coaches coming back as well. And so I'm not sure, you know, where Washington is going to fit in. That's why I say his role, his experiences as, as a, uh, as an assistant head coach is going to be extremely valuable in this setting setting because he's used to having, I guess, multiple hats as it were um, working. Now he, like I said, it's been primarily defensive line work in his past, but he's got work uh, experience rather working with other groups. And so that um, I think is going to be critical for a team that's trying to uh, build off their momentum of last season rather than kind of start over like we saw them do, I think this past year. And so I'm um, looking forward to both of those things elsewhere around the league, because you know, it's not just the bears. It's everywhere that we try to talk about here on Triple Zeros, the anti hot take sports show. Um, you have a hiring cycle that's seen uh, Brian Callahan go from the Bengals to the to the Tennessee Titans. Real quick, I've heard Liam Cohen be uh, associated with that offensive coordinator job. Cohen was a candidate for the Bears position as offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach uh, at Kentucky, I believe it was. And so he's at Kentucky, Kentucky. I believe the role was quarterbacks coach 
But that's a great fit for him if he can actually land there with Callahan uh, in Tennessee. It's a great fit for him, but really it's a great fit for Will Levis or whoever they decide to go with. And if it is Levis, then you know, kudos to him because that's Callahan and is a great play caller. And you get uh, his, his father if his pop, father comes out, you know, to help with the offensive line or consults or whatever that may be. And then you get Cohen to work with quarterbacks. I think that would be a great, great situation uh, for a Will Levis elsewhere. Um, you still have the uh, the Seahawks and the Commanders looking for head coaches. Uh, we've seen the uh, Atlanta Falcons turn to Raheem Morris, turn back, I guess it was, to Raheem Morris. He was there as a assistant uh, earlier on in his career and then went on to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, for three or four years. That did not go well. He was young at the time, though, um, has since gone on and built his resume um, and leaves the Los Angeles Rams to take over the head coaching job in Atlanta. So uh, hats off to him. Elsewhere, you, like I said, still have those openings. Uh, you had in uh, Washington and in, um, where's the other opening? It's blanking on me right now. I completely, Seattle, there we go. And so um, with those, you have the names like Bill Belichick and Mike Rabel still floating around, but though neither one has been attached to either one of those positions. Belichick was attached to the commander's job, but that has since uh, been, I guess, kind of placeholder for uh, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions, whenever their playoff run is over. Um, Jim Harbaugh returns to the NFL, going to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And I heard uh, um, that it was what Dan Patrick, I believe it was, put Justin Herbert on the clock. I I, I I guess there's a lot of hungry quarterback hungry teams I would hope so. I don't know if I see that, but if that's the case, then so be it. And like I said, there'll be a lot of teams that will jump at the chance to try to acquire a Justin Herbert, take him off the, the Chargers' hands if he is deemed uh, a bad, fit, a poor fit with Jim Harbaugh, who comes back to the league. You have to think with a lot of control in that front office. Um, I believe he's if he's not handpicking, he's helping uh, in the process of picking the general manager and over there. So, um be on the lookout for that team next year because I've always, I've long said that I like Herbert as a talent. They were lacking a lot in play calling, a lack a lot in at the top, basically. Uh, I'm not, uh, I wasn't a big Brandon Staley fan, um, and I think there weren't a lot of fans in that locker room either. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, hats off to Antonio Pierce for holding on to the job uh, in Las Vegas there with the Raiders. We saw Max Crosby, quote unquote, threaten to uh, consider demanding a trade if. You know, Pierce was not the guy. He gets the guy after taking over last season amid a surge of support in the locker room, mind you. So um, that was the smart, I think the easy answer, but the smart answer as well because it just, it wasn't guaranteed that they were going to, that they were going to go ahead and do that. So um, that's always good to see. And then you had the Carolina Panthers going with Dave Canales of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Canales is an interesting name uh, because I I had not found out about this until he got uh, brought in for the Buck or for the Panthers rather, leaves the Bucks off the coordinator spot. Um, He was, also in Seattle with Gino that first season, if I'm not mistaken, and was one of the people that they've credited with helping Gino come along. So I guess we'll get to see. And now, like I said, he was gone this past season and Gino kind of regressed the offense as a whole kind of regressed. So I'm very, very interested to see how that dynamic kind of plays out with the bears uh, for the Panthers though. And for Bryce young, if that is the case, then if that's any indication of what kind of impact canals can have, um, we saw Baker Mayfield have a uh, have a career year this past season with the Buccaneers. That only bodes well for Bryce Young, who looked, I don't want to say overmatched and overwhelmed, but it looked like there was just too much happening for him to kind of uh, even, uh, you know, think to get settled into his role as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, he found his way a little bit as the season wore on, but you just saw too many types of situations where he was not being supported properly. We see that a lot of places around the NFL with quarterbacks, young quarterbacks especially. Um, and so, 
you have to be optimistic. This is the time of the year for optimism. There's not going to be very many people who are uh, downtrodden about the decisions that are being made. So uh, I guess you could say take all, any praise that you hear from coordinator ho- uh, hirings, coach hirings uh, with a grain of salt, just because this is, again, um, the the season for optimism. Hope springs eternal, as they say, uh, in the off season. And so um, a lot of good stuff. We're, we're hearing about a lot of free agency. We had Kirk Cousins linked to the Patriots, to the Falcons. Um uh, we've had the Vikings leaked as a team to Justin Fields, which I just do not see. Um, people are weighing in on what the Bears are going to do at number one overall. We're, we're getting close to the draft time. Um, but before we can do all that, we have to get to through uh, to the Super Bowl, I guess you could say. But we have to get through the the championship Sunday before we do any of that. And so uh, before we'll get to the NBA stuff, let's talk about what I for, for dicked for dicked forecast and predict together is for dicked. That's what you get. Anyway, that probably, that might be NSFW. I might need to go ahead and put this explicit. I don't know. That was that was a, that was a, a slip. Anyway, uh, what I'm forecasting, what I'm predicting for Championship Sunday, uh, and the two matches between the Chiefs and the Ravens, and then the 49ers and the Detroit Lions. So we'll start off with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Um, this is similar to what I felt with the Buffalo Bills and with the Chiefs on paper. I have a hard time picking against the, the the Ravens with their roster, what they've accomplished. My boy Lamar, I've been a Lamar. If you follow this podcast from day one, you know that I am a Lamar stand. I've been a big fan of his uh, since he came into the league, I, just because I like what his game is and how he approaches everything that he does. So that being said, you still got to beat the man to be the man. And as much as I want to praise Lamar for his ability to adapt himself to to grow, develop as a passer, um, the the hats off to the Raiders for or to the Raiders to the Ravens for getting talent around him, proper talent around him, especially at the wide receiver position, um, something that they have been lacking in recent years. Uh, that being said, it's still Patty Mack and the rest of the world, right? Um, we saw them go against a Buffalo team that looked like they might have had their number, just like I said, coming in on paper with what the weapons that they had and Mahomes and. You could say it's for a fortunate kick. Or that's fine. You got to be in position to benefit from those type of things. And you can always feel like you have a chance to come out on top when you got 15 under center. And so um, I am, I don't, I don't, I'm not rooting for the Ravens because I'm, I'm a very much a fan of, of seeing dynasties begin and being there and, and witnessing the start of, of a historic run. And we've seen that with Mahomes. Um, we know that he's already on that start, that path. Uh, so I'm not going to say I'm rooting for the Ravens, uh, but I, I, I would like to see the Ravens get through. I'd like to see Lamar get break through and get to that Super Bowl. Uh, but I can't pick against Mahomes. I just can't. I, I'm, I, as much as I would want to, just like I went into last weekend, I just cannot pick against the guy who I've seen do it. It's a show me league. I heard that earlier today. It's a show me league and I've seen them do it. So, um, I, I will, I will have, uh, an interest in seeing Lamar and the Ravens progress and advance to the next stage. But I am, I am, if I had to put money on it, it's going to the chiefs. In the other game, you have the Detroit lions and the San Francisco 49ers. And these are very similar teams in that they are going to overwhelm you with what they can do offensively. However, on the other side of the ball is where the difference is going to the, the difference is going to come in. Uh, San Francisco's defense is legitimate; it's real. Um, they hit you; they can fly around. You can get to them, but you can get to any defense in this NFL. So that's just that's just the, the effect of life. They're still a very very stout unit, especially against the pass. Um, this game could do could come down uh, or could come weigh heavily on who can uh, dominate early, right? Who can get to the scoring into the top scoring position first because. Then, for the Lions, that allows them to unleash their pass rushes, what they're a little bit better at than they are stopping the run. They're not great rushing the passer either, but then you at least let Aiden Hutchinson go after the pass instead of having to try to stop running backs all damn day, which you don't want to have to do. Uh, I, I don't know that they can do it against a 49er team that does that too, can beat you through the air, 
uh, but also has the best running back in the game in Christian McCaffrey, as well as, like I said, a stout defense on the other side that can capitalize on your mistakes. That secondary can be had. I told you about that last week, and they were had a few times. Um, but the Lions secondary is not great either. And I just have more faith in what the 49ers can do on defense. And even if you think that the offensive edge is is to Detroit, I don't know how you can say that it's a strong edge, especially if Debo Samuel is back and healthy as he appears to be going into the matchup. So um, while it was a little bit difficult for me to pick the Chiefs over the Ravens, uh, this pretty much is, is easy for me to pick the San Francisco 49ers over the Lions. Of course, as always, I am very much willing to be wrong. I'm not a person who, who will bury his head in the and act like he just couldn't see it coming, didn't see it happen, won't ignore. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But my picks for this weekend are Chiefs and 49ers. That's your Super Bowl matchup. And so we, on that note, we will switch gears to the NBA. We are fast approaching the NBA trade season, and, man, there is a lot of noise. Uh, first of all, we'll just touch on the Lakers. Uh, they are about to tip off against the Golden State Warriors in NBA's matchup week. They are linked to DeJounte Murray. They are linked to uh, uh, Bruce Brown, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. But the fact of the matter is the cost to do business might be too rich for them, and they might be better off just sticking uh, with what they have, working it out. And then, as I wrote about for heavy on Bulls, or heavy on Lakers, rather, they might also be better off going for a buyout candidate like Kyle Lowry, who uh, was traded to the Hornets and looks like, According to general manager Mitch Kupchak, he could be hitting, like I said, the buyout market uh, in the, what is it, 21st, around the 20th of February that that starts to pick up. I think that's when the Bulls signed Patrick Beverly last season. So look uh, look for that if they don't make a move here. The cost of doing business with the with the Hawks, the Hawks want, um, not only do they want the first round picks, but they want you to find another place to send D'Angelo Russell. Russell's been playing well, but not well enough to keep, apparently, according to Javon Boo of the Athletics. So it's just a complicated amount of things for the Lakers, as usual. That's that's not, that's par for the course. Um, but they thumped the Bulls, who uh, are, are still dealing without Zach Levine. Um, we saw Casey Johnson uh, weigh in with some, some trade ideas for the Bulls and the Pistons, who we heard from the Athletics' James Edwards um, have had conversations with the Bulls about trading for Levine. They are not sure if they want to do that yet with Levine's obvious injury history and contract and playing style issues just in the third, but they're desperate. And so if I'm the Bulls, the Bulls damn near need to be desperate too in getting this deal done because I'm not sure how much more you're going to get out of a Levine trade. He's not increasing his value. Value doesn't typically go up as players get older, especially once they hit their prime. He's in his prime. We know what he is. We know that he's not going to be um, the defender that you want him to be on a consistent basis. He's not going to make the best decisions with the ball in his hands, but he's an efficient offensive scorer when he's healthy. But that's the other problem. He's not always healthy, and he's still owed a lot of money. So it's going to be complicated, and the Bulls have maintained a high asking price. They've stuck, you know, dug their heels in the ground on continuity. It has not paid off. So I'm just wondering, at what point do you cut your losses and say, we need to do this? Now, Johnson said that they're not in the business of doing that. Um, I am a person who will tell you that that's bad business, and that's how front offices get fired because, now, they don't have to make a decision, but you let that fester and attitudes get to lingering and things get to leaking out and people's opinions of the what's happening there gets to changing. For an example, wrote about this for Soaring Down South. DeJounte Murray apparently had an alleged interaction with the fan uh, on X, and in the interaction, Murray just told all. Uh, basically bored out how during practice he's being used one way and then the game comes and it's a whole nother way. Um, he he seemed to lament being a, used as a spot-up shooter the majority of the time that he's on the, on the floor, which would be you know with Trey Young. Um, in the article, I actually wrote about how their numbers this season are kind of dis- disappointing when you look at it in, in that context. Uh, he talked about, you know, 
he's, he's previously talked about how Quinn Snyder likes to get up a lot of threes. He didn't necessarily say it with the, with an air of joy, but that's just speculation at that point. You know, I don't want to attach that to this. Um, this though is disturbing just because of the fact that it's, it's, I guess it kind of confirms some of the, the thoughts that you would have when you watch the team look listless. You know, they gave up 73 points to Luka Doncic, and after the game, Trey Young said, well, after he gave up like 60 points, we tried to double him a little bit more. Like, wait, what? 60 points is when you decided to double? At that point, it was too late. But you could watch the game and see that there was no defense, and then when he got to about 60, 65 points, it was tougher. He, he had to struggle to get that last eight points. Those kind of things are what happens when you have trade rumors get out, and then they fester. And that's what's happening with the, now. It's happening faster with the Hawks than it's happened with the Bulls. Levine's been minor trade rooms for the for years now. I guess you could say really for the last year though. It's in it's in fast forward with the Hawks, but they've gone through this multiple times. They've gone through it with John Collins. They've had other trade rumors. They paid guys and had to trade them. It's turmoil for a team that's that's disjointed on the floor. There's nothing going right. Usually the saving grace for teams that are going through things on the floor is that, well, the locker room is still together. It doesn't sound like they're all the way together. Now, Murray says his teammates love him. He doesn't. He has not publicly asked for a trade, and he's been playing well. So those three positives have overshadowed, at least you know, in my mind, some of the noise that's coming out, but the noise is growing louder. And that, I guess, if you're, if you're uh, in the front office for the Hawks, would be the concern. And so... Um, Again, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not expecting them to do anything uh, uh, just to do it. But they too are on watch of, hey man, if you don't do this now, you could be uh, in a in a world of hurt because you're not moving fast enough, or you you let the situation, like I said, fester way too long. So uh, that's just another to keep the line, keep an eye on. Um, like I said, it's gonna be a quick episode, so that's gonna do it for this one. I will try to come back. I tried to come back early this week, just wasn't able to find the time to do so. But I will try to come back again. Let's try. try. Keyword, try to come back and deliver, deliver an early episode, get to some of the Broncos, Vikings news, and other things that we cover uh, that I have been covering over the past week or so. Um, like I said, that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on X at Josh Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, ClockerSports.com. Email address is contact at ClockerSports.com. Follow the show on X and on Facebook at Three zeros pod. That is the number three zeros pod. Follow the site, uh, clockersports.com, uh, clockersports at on on TikTok and clockersports on YouTube, uh, and also read the stuff, man. Last word on sports. Uh, heavy on Bulls, heavy on Lakers, heavy on Broncos, heavy on Vikings, and uh, soaring down south. And of course, you can read everything at clockersports.com. And until the very next time. That's just that's just the, the effect of life. 